Welcome to the For Pete's Sake podcast, covering the intriguing history of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and the life of Pete Wither, an icon of the Steamboat community. I'm Sarah Bradford, a lucky girl who gets to chat on the lift with Pete most days each winter. Pete shared his life history as well as how his grandfather made it here from Scotland by horse and buggy and met his grandmother after one visit up north in Hans Peak where the gold rush was booming in the late 1800s. Okay, back in the late 1880s, there was a gold mining town that still exists today named Hans Peak, which is about 30 miles north of Steamboat. At that time, there were 10,000 people living in the town, which is just a little bit less than lives in Steamboat right now. So my grandfather's brother started a general store in Hans Peak to service the 10,000 miners that were there. Well, he got so busy that he couldn't handle it all by himself. So he wrote a letter to my grandfather, who was a pharmacist in uh, Scotland at the time. And so my, and he was asking for him to come and help him at the general store. So my grandfather got on a ship and he sailed to Canada, which was part of the British Empire at the time, got on a train, rode the train all the way to Wolcott, Colorado, got on a horse. Three days later, he was in Hans Peak. They, and so that was in the late 1880s. And they ran that store up there until around 1902. And Steamboat was a little bit more of a going town at the time than Hans Peak. So then he moved to Steamboat. So while he was in uh, Hans Peak, they would take them three days to go from Hans Peak to Wolka, which was the nearest train station, to get supplies. Then they'd load up the wagon, and it'd take four days to get back to Hans Peak. So he'd be gone for a week. Why'd it take four days to get back and three days to get there? Because when you're going down there, the wagon's empty. And when you're going right. up, it's full. <laughs> and when they would take three or four days to do that, where did they sleep? They had, there were stage stops. Walcott to State Bridge to Yampa to Yellow Jacket Pass to Steamboat and then to Hans Peak. <clears throat> so they wow. would spend the night there and then they get their horses could be taken care of and everything while they were resting. And when your grandfather got to Walcott, how did they know to have a horse for him? Like how? Well, he had a horse and wagon down there, right? That's how he, how he got there. You, you mean the brother was ready for him? Oh, when he first got there? I don't know how that happened. Hmm. That's a good question. Did you know your grandfather? A little bit. He died when I was like eight or nine years old, so I didn't know him very well at all. What was his name? Archie. His name was Archibald. It was? Yeah. Archibald. Yeah. And you know that's Owen's middle name. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. That, so that, that was really a nice recognition by Scott. A bit of additional info on who's who. You'll hear Pete refer to Scott and Owen. Scott is Pete's son. He also has a daughter, Tiffany, who will be mentioned in the later episodes. Both live in Steamboat and happily married with kids. One of those kids is Scott's son, Owen. Owen Archibald, that is. So he didn't have a wife when he came. No, he, he, was, he was a single guy and remained that way for like 15 years. And my grandmother was an orphan. And she went to live with her uncle 
who was a rancher in the Little Snake River Valley, which is the next valley past Hans Peak and kind of runs the Colorado-Wyoming line. So they're up there. So twice a summer, they would go to Hans Peak from that ranch to get staples like sugar and flour, salt, probably, those three things. It'd take two days for them to walk from their ranch to Hans Peak. And then they'd be there for overnight to pick up the stuff and then walk back, right? So they were totally sustainable on their own land. Yeah, they had to be. Because you've got to realize this is the Depression, right? Right. Well, not, not even the Depression. Well, it was like the boondocks, too. Yeah, it's no. way, the, way the hell out there, right? So they had big gardens, you know, and they shot elk and deer, and that's how the, and they probably had a few cows. And, and that's how your grandma was raised. And so when she came to Hans Peak, I bet she met Archie. Yep, she met Archie, and I think after the second or third time that they had met, they got married. You know, I mean, she's only there for one night at a time, right? <laughs> So they got married. They had their first child in Hans Peak in 1900. That was my uncle, Uncle George. He was supposed to be the first white child that was born in Hans Peak. There were other people that were working on the mines had babies up there. Like they might have been Chinese or Mexicans oh. or somebody, you know, some other not white people. So there were non-American citizens, but like a bunch. There was Hans a, probably most of them were not. Americans. Interesting. That's how it grew to ten thousand so yeah. fast. Yeah. Can you imagine ten thousand people living in tents? I mean, there no. were a few houses, but not very many. With the cold, did they live I, there through the cold? I have been really trying to figure that out. How that? How they survived the winters? But there must have been some people working up there uh, in the uh, in the winter. Or there would be no reason to stay there, right? Right. But I would imagine most of them left in the winter. I, right, I can't, more I don't like migrant how. workers. Like they come maybe in the spring and the summer. We'll yeah. have to find out. Yeah, that'll be something that we could probably research that yeah. real easy. So then so Hans then, Peak so ran out of gold. Then the, Yeah, they ran out of gold, so there was no reason to have a general store there. So my brother, my grandfather and his brother, and I think there was another brother involved at the same time, so three brothers, um, moved to Steamboat and started up a general store here. What was it called? It was called A&G Wither. And I've got a picture of that down in my office. So Archie and George. Oh, right. Right? A&G Wither, and their first location, I think, was kind of where the Nordic Lodge is now. And then they built a bigger general store where across from the courthouse. How did they have the money to do that? Well, they'd done pretty well in the general store business. Okay. And in 1908, the train got to Steamboat. So it made it a lot easier for them, you know, so they didn't have to do the horses back and forth all the time. Right. And Steamboat was growing. And Steamboat was growing, yeah. That's Why right. was Steamboat growing? Well, Crawford was here, right? And he had this vision of what Steamboat could be. And he's the one that laid out all the streets and all that kind of thing. So it was an incorporated town. They had the springs here, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's a really nice summer here. Of course, nobody was here in the winter. I mean, just a few locals that lived here, but most people were just here in the summer. And once the train got here, then there was tourism. Because people from Denver, yeah. the Front Range, would come yeah. up. Right, and so it was starting to go. And a lot of them came for the springs, the hot right. springs. Right, right, that, that they thought was very healing yeah, to exactly. people. Yeah, exactly, drink the water and I all love that the stuff. old pictures of the springs. Yeah. It looks really cool. Yeah, right. And so they opened a general store, and it was A&G because the, your 
great uncle was named George, but also the first son was George. That's correct. He, my, my uncle was probably named after my great uncle. My mom was a teacher here in Steamboat, and that's how they met each other, because my dad was working for the railroad at okay. the time. And they met each other and got married. And then my mom couldn't be a teacher anymore because you couldn't be married and be a teacher at that time. So wait, so let's back up. So they have the general store. George is born. And then does your dad come along? So my uncle, my uncle George is born and then they moved to Steamboat. And then my, I had an aunt Dorothy and uncle Pete. His, his actual name was Donald. But when he was a kid, he always wanted to be Rattlesnake Pete when they were playing Cowboys and Indians. <laughs> so his name turned from Donald to Pete. Okay. And that's who I'm named after. Rattlesnake Pete. <laughs> and interestingly enough, my mom had a brother that his name was Peter as well. Oh, that so, worked out. Yeah, so I got named after both of those people. Right. So then your dad, what was your dad's name? Robert. Or oh. they called him Bob. Okay. So then Bob was the youngest? Yes, he was the youngest. He was born in 1915. Then what happened? He must have met your mom somehow. Uh, so he grew up here in Steamboat, and he was quite a famous guy in his own right because he, uh, at that time, they didn't do much alpine skiing, but ski jumping was a big deal because of Carl Howelson. And uh, my dad became a really good ski jumper. Because that ski jump area, House and Hill, has been there a lot longer than Mount Warner. Oh, right? way. Yeah, like, since 1913. Right. Okay, so even before my dad was born, that was a ski area. So he, he, he jumped the big jump when he was nine years old. And they called him the Boy Wonder. So uh, when Owen was growing up, I was telling him this story. Yeah. And so that's how he kind of got into jumping is because he wanted to do that and he did he jumped a hundred meter jump in park city in the summertime when he was nine okay so he was a really good nordic so he was a good jumper and he was actually qualified to go to the 1932 olympics as a jumper and um he was on a jump over in hot sulfur springs it was just before the olympics and the sun was hitting on the end end of the jump you know they came down in the shade and then there was sun on the jump and it softened up the snow on the end of the jump. And so they jumped and it caught their skis, you know, and they felt and he broke his leg doing that. Aww. So he couldn't go to the Olympics. So sad. So sad. And then Scott later almost made it to the Olympics. He was very close. He was actually on the U.S. ski, on the Olympic team. When one of the other guys said, I think I want to do that event instead of Scott. And so the coaches said, okay. Anyway, so my dad was working for the railroad, and then he met my mom, and that's when World War II rolled around because my dad had a lot of knowledge about how to uh, take care of a uh, animals, like cows and sheep and stuff like that, for trains because he'd been working for the railroad for a while. That, they, that was considered an essential job, and they moved him to Denver to help organize that part of the uh, railroad for, for them. So I was actually born in Denver. So he was enlisted. No, but he was part of the effort because it was called an essential job because they couldn't do it without him. So that you know they couldn't draft him because then he'd have to not do that job and they needed him for oh, that. Oh, so that was kind of lucky. Yeah, in that respect, have... yeah, for sure. What happened during the Depression with all of them? Were they just fine? <laughs> not really. That's a good question. So because of the Depression, this is when, in 1933 or 30 or something like that. Anyway... My grandfather and his brother had that general store and it was doing great. 
my grandfather was actually the mayor of Steamboat for a couple of terms in the early 1900s. The Depression came along and uh, the ranchers would come into the store and say, hey, listen, uh, I, I don't have enough money to buy this now, but when I sell my cows this fall, I'll be able to pay you back. So my grandfather said, okay. And then the fall came and they didn't get any money for their cows. And so he, mm. they couldn't pay him back and he eventually lost the store, which happened to a lot of people in the depression. And they didn't own the store or the land. Oh yeah, they owned it all. They oh, owned a lot of and land. They, lost all they owned that. a mine over here on Helson Hill and they owned a big, huge farm. And yeah, they had a lot of stuff and they lost it all. Oh. So my aunt, uh, Aunt Dorothy, single, never got married felt really bad for him. And she she worked really hard and opened up a dress shop and she did well enough where she could buy the house that they built back from the bank and got them situated in it. And that's where they spent the rest of their days. Like that's the way it was so when I grew Dorothy up. So Dorothy bought that house back yeah. so and that so your my, grandpa... My grandparents could live there. What was her name again? The Dorothy. Gran no, the grandma. Oh, Pearl was her name. Pearl, yeah. we never got her name. Archie and Pearl? Mm-hmm. Did you know her very well? I knew her a little better because she lived for a few more years until I was a teenager. Was she nice? She was, oh, yeah. She's just real nice. She was yeah. a kind of a Dutch descent. So, you know, big round face. And, and my, my, my grandparents always had a, a huge garden because, you know, they're from the Depression. Mm -hmm. And they, they had no money. Like my dad, as he remembers... All they had to eat was popcorn mm -hmm. because they couldn't afford anything else. So they ate popcorn for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, except for a few vegetables that they could raise. And they had these huge gardens, and then they'd can everything and keep it all in their cellar, you know, and eat it all winter. Right, because they know what it's like to not have anything. Exactly. And your parents were probably the same way, or oh, grandparents yeah. at least. This pandemic that we've just gone through, or going through right now, that's like, it was like a hundred times worse than this. Yeah, like my dad wouldn't even let, he wouldn't even think about wasting electricity. So he was working for the war effort in he Denver. He went to Denver. And myself and my brother were both born there. And then I was born in 42 and my brother in 44. And then uh, they moved, we moved back to Steamboat in 1945. Okay. And we moved into the house on 8th Street. And that's, that's where I spent the rest of my life while I was here in Steamboat. So you pretty much started school here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was only three years old when we moved back. Oh, right. So that's when I started school. So you were born in 42? Yeah. Right when the war, like that's when he went to Denver. Yeah. That uh, makes yeah. sense. And uh, the, yeah. war, the war started. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so you got back here and started school. And where did you go to school back? When was Well, was first of all, I started skiing when I was three because that's 1945, that's when we got back here, and my dad loved to ski, and so I was starting to ski when I was three. Where were you skiing? Well, the only place to ski at that time was Helson Hill. But you could downhill ski. Ah, not at three. No, but, but I mean, there was downhill skiing. Yeah, there was downhill skiing. Not ski. just jumping. Yeah, there was downhill skiing. We had a lift and everything, and, you know, I, I was a racer, and I had, you know, Gordy Wren was my coach and all that. More like in the late 50s. Mm-hmm. Well, no, in the, I started I started racing in the 40s. Let's see, I would have been like eight. Yeah, I was probably eight years old in 1950, I guess, 48, 49, something like that. What was the equipment like? It was wooden skis, a toe strap, a piece of rubber that went around your heel. 
No boot. Just you like just... old army boots, like like a hiking boot is now. Not even that stiff. Poles with real big rings on them like that because most of the time you're in real soft snow and you need to push yourself along. Because there was right? no grooming. No, Oh, no, no grooming at all. And long, skinny wood skis. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you... If you could reach the top of them, they were too short. Yeah, That's cool. Really so you tough. were ski racing. Slalom? Slalom. So for a slalom, we'd go down to the river and we cut willows, and that was our uh, slalom poles. Yeah, they, were, they, they didn't import any bamboo or anything at the time. And then would you set the course? or The coaches would set the course, and then we'd go, you know, we'd do the thing. And I bet it wasn't $10,000 a year to be in winter sports club. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was expensive. It was? You know, I mean, nobody was making any money, right? Right. Because Steamboat at that time was completely closed up in the wintertime. It was a summer tourism business, so there was four or five cafes and two or three motels and a couple of gas stations. And they all closed down except for one cafe and one gas station. No motels, no nothing. All winter. All winter. You know, and, and the streets were all dirt. They Was there know, a traffic light? No, no traffic lights. As a matter of fact, from my grandparents' house at the top of Maple Street, we'd get on a sled at night and go down Maple Street, that little one-way street that goes down like that. And we'd go flying across, and we'd go clear across the uh, highway and uh, over to the rodeo ground. Yeah. And no fear of a car. Never even thought about it. <laughs> That's cool. Right? At night. You kind of go um, down Maybe It would be fifth, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you go the whole way sledding. you yeah. keep on cruising. Oh, we'd be flying, yeah. And, and one of our fun things to do when we were kids is we'd, uh, uh, we'd hang around uh, like a high school or something like that when people were leaving in their cars, and we'd hook onto the back of their cars on our boots and, and slide on the snow, just hang on back of the car, you know. For a long way. For a long ways, yeah. When you were going to elementary school here, middle school, when it was just a ghost town, yeah. right, in the winter, how many kids were in a class? Because there wouldn't be that many people living here. Well, was it all the ranchers coming in to go to school? Well, no, they went to the little ranch schools until they were in the eighth grade. You know, the red schoolhouse out there where you oh, ride yeah. your bikes to? That, that was, was really... one. There's one out here by the bottom of Rabbit Ears Pass. Mesa School, it's called. Oh. Sydney. Oh, the one that's on the on 40 there? Yeah. You know, do you know where the Sydney Schoolhouse is? You know where Sydney Peak is? Yeah. Just before you get to that, there's a it's a it's a house now, but it was a schoolhouse then. Okay. And then there's one out there on the twenty mile road. So in elementary school you were going to the big city school. Yeah, I was in the city. I was a city boy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and how many kids would you say were in your class? Well, I graduated with thirty six. From high school. Yeah. When all those schoolhouses came in. Yeah. So anyway, I went to school a lot. So I lived, you know, where Scott's house is down on 8th Street. That's where I lived. And all, all 12 years of school was in the, that block right down there where the Boys and Girls Club is now. Yeah, Bosey's. Bosey's oh, is yeah. there too, yeah. So there, you know where that field is out there? That used to be, that was where the elementary school was. It's where that field is now. So, you know, all, all 12 years in that Oh, so block. there was a building there that they took down. Yeah. Because there's also another building there. <clears throat> Like the Bosey's building. Well, the, here's the way it works. So that elementary school is where the field is now. Then the white brick, the white brick was the middle school. And that old uh, high school was over there on 7th Street. And that was all right there. It was all right there. So I just walked, you know, I'm a half a block from school. That was so great. I walked home for lunch every day. 
Um, what did you think about living in Steamboat growing up? Did you did you think like, wow, I love it here, or yeah, I want to go to the big city? It was just or, a place to grow up, right? You know, you don't think about stuff like that when you're a kid. At least I didn't. When I graduated from high school, 1960, if you weren't a rancher or a coal miner, there was nothing here for you. So everybody left unless you're doing that, right? Because there wasn't anything else here. And where was the coal mine? Uh, out at 20 Mile. Wait, okay. Yeah. That was the closest one. And there was a power plant down by Milner, and then, yeah, the Hayden Station wasn't there. Nothing nothing was there. It was just that one. Was your dad still working for the railroad? He, after after the war, he, he bought a, uh, he was an independent wholesale distributor for gasoline. So, like, the, uh, he had uh, one, two, three, three filling stations that he filled up, and then a lot of the ranchers used them and that kind of stuff. So he'd drive around and deliver the gas. Exactly. And how many brothers and sisters? So I have a, a brother that was two years younger than me. He died a couple of years ago. And then my sister's 10 years younger than me, and she lives in Vernal. Oh, that's and right. And she's unmarried. <laughs> Did your brother stay living here? Yep. Yeah, he was a teacher out at the Whiteman School for the most part. And then uh, he left that in the middle 80s, and he and his wife uh, went yeah. to uh, Germany, and they were teachers over there for quite a few years at an American German school, basically taking care of military families, their American families that were over there. Got it. Then they taught in Africa for two or three years. Did not like that. And then, uh, then they kind of came back to Steamboat, and my da- and he took over my dad's or helped my dad's business for a few years, and then he ended up teaching in Hayden. Might as well stop there for today. There's a lot more to dig into from the '70s to present day. That's for next time. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and family who also love Steamboat and its rich history and unique community. That's all for now, folks. Bye-bye. Produced and edited by Mark Allen at the Salters Point Studio on Buzzards Bay, Massachusetts. All rights reserved.